Ladies and gentlemen, this is Hollywood Mount Connolly with the double biceps. It's in the contract. It's a legal requirement every single time we appear on camera. I always lean to the wrong way. It's mirrored <laughs> on the thing. Uh, welcome to the Daily Combat Podcast. <laughs> the co-host, co-founder, co-breather of air, co-wearer of clothes in this very room, the Count of Monte Cristo, the master disaster, the King of Sting, the winner of the Dave Stockbridge of the Year Award. And there it is right there, the illustrious trophy going for it again this year. He's put his nomination in already. It is, in fact, Dave, Dave Stockbridge. Stockbridge, welcome to your own show. We have a very special guest today. Tell us about our guest, Dave. Oh, well, we do have a very special guest. Uh, we, we, we are getting quite the reputation here on the podcast uh, for, for hosting some of the newest, freshest champions this country has to offer. Absolutely. And certainly that's what we've got here. We've got the DFC lightweight champion, Brandon White in the studio well kind of he, he's at home i think but he, he's with us right now brandon thank you very much for joining us on the podcast champ yeah yeah thank you for the intro that was awesome <laughs> and, and, and how does it feel now like i mean obviously one shoulder like you do you have to balance it out with something are you carrying like the the shopping for mum in order to keep you know your body structure right keep things balanced now or or, or is it just I've got to win a second title as soon as possible because, you know, I'm getting some form of dysmorphia here. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's more more so the second part. Um, I'm trying to get a second title. That'd be awesome. So, like I said, the, um, in the post-fight, like I, I'm actually featherweight, not lightweight. So I went up for that. So I would love yeah. to get a That'd be awesome. So champ champ uh, credentials perhaps so uh, so featherweight lightweight I, I I do remember that call on the night and uh, and it, it certainly uh, didn't go on deaf ears because uh, the guys at DFC were quickly making some notations there because they they're, they're big fans of yours as well and I think uh, I think anybody who watched the fight would certainly would be and who's been following you closely because you you do you've got a very dynamic style it's very very watchable very entertaining is that something you're conscious of as you're entering a fight you know what is it that the crowd's going to see or is it just that it's your natural style and it just happens to be that thing that uh the spectators and the fans uh, enjoy watching as well uh, i think it's more more just a natural style of what i've sort of morphed myself into with my coaches um obviously it's very it's very flowy on the feet like i think um rich was saying in the commentary like it's you know it's very more picky shots not not go out there and sort of brawl in a way mm. like and I think it looks better. Like brawls, although look good for the fans, but for like the you know the hardcore fans, I guess people like to see more technique towards it. So I don't like to waste too much energy in there. Obviously, um, yeah. I pick pick my shots as I'm going through. So it, it definitely uh, stood out. And watching it back when we saw the replay of it um, from the DFC, uh, the replay, the pay per view event. Um, seeing Louis pushing forward so so strongly and so aggressively. And your footwork was amazing and you were countering and stepping and dodging and slipping and uh, your shots were very, very accurate. So exactly what you were just saying then, although it looked like you guys were sort of, uh, you know, toe-to-toe most of the fight, it was very much a, a technical sign from what you were doing. Even though you're right in your opponent's face, it, you know, he's, he's very aggressively moving forwards and I could see you know, that you were lining everything up. It, was, it wasn't It was that you were just, I'm going to swing everything. It was, what's, what's he throwing? Let me counter that. Let me move back, get my feet in the right positions. And these are all in microseconds. And mm. obviously it led to a, to a huge KO in the first round. Yeah, 100. And we, we knew that. Like, we watched a bit of footage on Luis. So, um, and I think we said it in the first podcast as well. Um, he's very, very forward pressure. So we knew we had to be on the back foot. 
um, and either get him to push back or if he doesn't push back, our movement had to be good. So we we pretty much game planned for that. Uh, you could tell that I never circled left because he has a big right hand. Though I didn't circle left once. If I, then I'm walking into his power side. So kept, yeah. kept going to the right every single time. And most of the time I was outside of his shots every time he threw. So mm. um, worked off. that worked very well for me. So that 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 uh, right hand was a it was a short right that that landed for the knockout, wasn't it? And and watching it back, it didn't look like you would really wound up for that. It was very short and very fast, but so accurate. Just just you know, I think Louis' momentum forwards, and you've just dunk just right in the chin. Just the timing, yeah. yeah. And 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 he was he was out for for a long time. <laughs> he was out for about ten minutes. Yeah, and was that something that you've been training for as well? Was it a matter of uh, you know dodge 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 right? Did you say dodge? Uh, not circling so, to the to the not circling right. Yes. Yeah, not circling right, and then coming in with the right. Was that was that something that you'd been uh, giving thought to or drilling in the lead up to the championship bout? Um, yeah, we were, we were planning on obviously um, a lot of calf kicks, so which I did in the. Very, very early, and I think mm. limited maybe his movement or maybe a bit of his power. So take his legs; he's got no power. Um, and obviously, Louis is a big power puncher, so that was first and foremost. Um, but it was yeah, it was all circling right to get out of get out of the way of that right hand. So um, originally, we were actually planning to sit, and if he does throw the right, we're going to catch it and then throw behind it. Mm. I just didn't see the comfortability to be able to do that. So for me, it was get get out of the way, get out of the way of the shots. And then as he's sort of leaning forward or lunging forward, then I might be able to catch him on the counter. And yeah, like you said, it was just his movement coming in at the same time that I threw a shot off the back foot and it just happened to land flush. So how did, how did it feel walking out into a stadium type of environment? I mean, it's a quite unusual as an amateur to have that opportunity to walk out in front of the grandstands and to uh, and under the bright lights and with the smoke machine going and, and with thousands of people uh, present. Um, is that something that you otherwise were able to prepare yourself for or was it just something where when you got there you just really enjoyed the moment and tried to keep it at the back of your mind? Um. Probably, yeah, it's not, we don't really get big shows like that here in Sydney where you're walking out in a stadium. Um, so haven't really had that opportunity. Um, I wasn't, I wasn't too nervous in the back, which was good. Obviously our team come off two big wins as well. So mm. I fed off them. When they come back, everyone was hyped up. Um, I basically just fed off them. And I just had to go out there and do a job. Um, obviously- was there a little bit of extra pressure there then? Because everybody, everybody come all the way over from New South Wales, been a couple of wins. They were just waiting on your championship belt before they could head out for a few drinks. And really, your win would have been the, the icing on the cake. So there was a little bit of pressure there internally from the team to make sure that you took care of business. Don't ruin it for us, Brandon. <laughs> <laughs> it was a little bit of pressure. I knew it was a very hostile crowd because Josh, I think he spoke to you, Dave, in the cage. Yes. Prior to the co-main event, and he got it. He got a few boos when he told them that I was going to win. So, um. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I, I think that was uh, really just Louis' mum, just just behind <laughs> us, really. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, it was a very parochial crowd. I mean, there was a, very definitely two big crowd favourites there uh, on the night. Louis being one of them, and the other, uh, well, the other man to walk away with the belt on the on the evening. Uh, 
the uh, coming for the honey, Damien Volar, right right behind us there. There you go. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, two big crowd favourites. And, and and so, how how does that naturally feel when you're walking into the into the lion's den, so to speak? I mean, it, it's uh, it, for a lot of fighters that can be really overwhelming. But you you seem to take it all on very well. Um, I didn't actually like when we were walking out. There was no. I knew it was a hostile crowd, but it, there was no sort of hostility towards me, which is good. Yeah. Sure, there could have been if they wanted to. <laughs> yeah, but that's for sure. Um, I had a big team behind me. I think we walked out with everyone we had, so sort of felt very comfortable in that situation. Um, yeah. got, got in there and, you know, I knew I had my team behind me in the corner and, um, yeah, it was, it was kind of, it was, yeah, it was surreal in a way. And, and tell us a little bit about that that team for, from uh, Igor MMA. Um, yeah, so it's a big team. Obviously, we've got Josh in the UFC um, doing bits over there. Um, mm-hmm. Igor is the head coach um, of Igor MMA. He's the mastermind behind all the uh, game planning in terms of that. And then I work with uh, Johnny Barrow. He's my striking coach, and I've been with him for years. So everything that comes down to my kickboxing, my boxing, I've put down to him. So... Um, shout out to to him because we were the one that yeah we sat down and watched his footage together and come up with the, with the game plan on the feet so that paid off it, that all goes down to him yeah big success for the whole crew on that night was it three from three uh, I believe yeah three from three all finishes too so yeah and that you you'll get that especially traveling in a state and being you know being away from everyone so but yeah. Mm. And what about what was the moment like when you you've won the fight and you get the belt wrapped around your waist? And in terms of you've got a big crowd, everybody's seen it. It's it's come away. It couldn't have been better, really. I mean, a first round knockout in front of a hostile crowd, you know, with your teammates. You've all won on the same night. How did that moment feel? Oh, man, <laughs> yeah, un- unbelievable. Unbelievable! I like. Yeah, I remember after the finish, getting up on the cage and just yeah, it's just sort of celebrating. Um, I didn't really realize that how like how long he was out for until after the fight, and I felt pretty pretty bad for celebrating. But just I said to my coach like that's just the emotion of the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Was out for quite a while, so uh, well, we did have a chat in the back. You know, we sat down, had a, had a bit of a talk, and. Everything. Louis is a very good guy, so I don't. I've got the utmost respect for him. I'm yeah, mm. glad that everything was good in the end. On that end, absolutely. Yeah, no, he's a he's a very welcome guest on the podcast. We've had him on a couple of times, and always a pleasure to have him and the Cardioflex guys. And yeah, it was great to see you guys uh, feature in a main event at the DFC together. And uh, yeah, you walked away with the belt there. Um, yeah, amazing effort. So it was it was a privilege to see that. Luckily for me, I was sitting the cage side. <laughs> I saw it right right in front of me. It was uh, yeah, I was amazed because you know the speed that you guys are moving, yeah, um, and the, the punches that you know they're, they're missing by inches. It's a game of inches, really. Yeah. And when Louis went down, it was it was like it was completely unexpected. <laughs> was I mean, like, I, I I don't know about you, but like right up until that second, I thought, oh, Louis moving forward. Oh, maybe Brandon's in a bit of trouble, and then it was like it's, it's all over. Yeah. It was all over. You know, I, I think I might have even had the jacket off. I, I, <laughs> I was relaxing and enjoying the fight. It was like, oh, get the jacket back on quick. We've got to get back in there. It was uh, it, 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 the, the manner in which the, the fight ended was just completely unexpected from, from our end. You know, we could see that going on for another couple of rounds and, and being a, a hugely entertaining fight. Not that it wasn't. It was just that, you know, you, you were able to cut it short with that very effective uh, uh, right. Was it, would you say 
a jab almost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a, you know just a beautifully timed little right hand, right, right at the right moment, and um, and then it was all over. And uh, I mean, for you with the adrenaline still going, because obviously you're you're thinking two or three steps ahead. You know, you've, you've landed the punch that ends the fight. You know, at that point, you know, as as, as you've landed that, are you conscious that? it's over or did at that moment in that situation uh did you feel like oh, this is this is it yep i've done the job or was it oh i've got a you know swarm here or what, what was your knee-jerk reaction when uh when you landed at sweetly um i actually so i knew i landed but because it was such a short shot we were so close together I didn't really realize how like whereabouts it hit him mm. so i circled out i remember sort of getting my back off the cage and then I turned around and he fell over and I my initial reaction was he slipped or maybe it's just rocked him a little bit uh-huh. and I knew there was only five or six seconds to go so I thought if I'm if he's slipped over here I've got five seconds to sort of put an end to it and then luckily and then the ref jumped in front before so mm. it, the ref literally pushed me away that I, I knew he was out and mm. then I didn't realize until like I didn't realize how long he was out for until yeah, a few, few minutes after, so. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, naturally, your, your attention turns to your team who are mm. really excited for you. I guess in that set of circumstances, it's a little bit um, it's a little bit harder for you just to simply enjoy the moment quite quite as much. I mean, you've, you've won the title. You've done everything you need to. You've done everything you've trained the whole camp for and, and perhaps even your whole career um, to, to get to that moment. But uh, for you, you had to wait a few extra minutes before the team could come in and celebrate with you because the uh, uh, the doctors were in the cage and the cage was shut to uh, to everybody else until uh, Louis was attended to and, uh, and and they could confirm that he was safe and, and good to go. And then, then of course, the, the celebrations could begin and, and the team could be led in the cage and <laughs> Uh, yeah, and and uh, everybody could be excited, but yeah, it's a it's a bit of an unusual feeling for you. I did feel for you in some part because I could see you were somewhat torn. Like, there's your opponent. You know, you kind of almost want to go and help or go go and see if he's right. You can't even do that, and then you kind of turn around. Your team's kind of locked out of the cage, and all you can really do is stand around and put your hands up high and and claim the victory and and wait for your special moment in in, in inside the cage. Yeah, I had a few times actually. I walked over to just behind where Louis was just to sort of see if he was okay. But uh, um, the officials don't let you get too close, obviously, because the doctors were helping him. So, um, yeah, yeah, just, just to sort of make sure he was all right, I guess. But, um, yeah, all good was in the end. So, mm-hmm. um, like I said, we had a chat in the back in the back, and everything was all good. He's, um, I'm sure he's made a full recovery and probably training up for his next one whenever he's ready to go. Mm. Yeah. You know what the knockout reminded me of was uh, Stipe Miocic versus Fabrizio Verdum in the UFC, uh, mm. if you saw that fight. But uh, Vadum coming forwards, very much chasing after Stipe, who was backpedaling. And then uh, uh, Fabricio has thrown about three or four big haymakers, which all sort of missed. And Stipe's almost running backwards. And then he just stopped and went like, and the smallest little right hand, dunk, and <laughs> the same thing, Fabricio's gone completely out. It was very similar to that. So, yeah, I was like, oh, oh this is just like that moment. <laughs> Yeah, it's, like you said, it's just a mix of the momentum coming forward, I guess, and meeting in the middle. And that's, yeah, sometimes it's the ones that you don't think, the ones with the least power like can do the most damage. Mm, absolutely. And you said you've, you're coming up from the featherweight division for this fight to, to claim the lightweight title. And uh, you're looking at potentially trying to get a title in the featherweight as well. Yeah, that'd be, that's the plan. So I know there's a DFC July 2nd. So. Mm-hmm. 
out of that. We're all looking forward to it, Brandon. We're all looking forward to these announcements and these matchups as they become announced in the in the coming weeks. So, uh, uh, Brandon, we'll, we'll very much keep our fingers and toes crossed there for uh, for another title shot for you. Um, and uh, so, uh, naturally, another title would be lovely. But uh, we were just talking a little off air that uh, very much the ambition is to go pro, and um, and that your team and yourself have sat down and worked out a pathway to uh, try and make that happen. Yeah, so um, I think at least, as I was saying, off air probably before the end of the year or just definitely in the new year, um, the pro ranks, but <clears throat> we'll see what happens over the next sort of six months. Um, mm-hmm. but, uh, if results go my way and everything, then um, maybe a little bit earlier, but yeah, definitely come the new year, I think I'll make the change. Mm. Yeah, and you, you were saying you, you're now 26 years old, so you're very much physically you're in your prime and, and, and or coming into your prime, I should say, really the next eight to ten years. Uh, uh, you're, you're moving in the right direction in terms of your timing to, to turn pro. And uh, it's, a, it's also a really interesting time because it's normally the time when relationships, maybe kids, work, all of these commitments kind of collide. And, and when you kind of put, I guess, a – into that, the scope of a professional athlete, it, it's uh, it, it, it can overwhelm a lot of people. But uh, you, you've got some great guidance there at Eagle to uh, to help step you through that process of, um, I guess, uh, disentangling all of those different uh, priorities and elements within your life and and making a course so that you uh, uh, you can confidently forge forward and and make a great career for yourself without necessarily negatively impacting those other aspects of your life. Yeah, one hundred percent. And you know, they've the boys above me have done it, done it all before. So you know, I just got to listen to them and take it, take in all the information that they give me, and um, just yeah, just keep chipping away at it, at it all, and try and find that you know balance between training and everything, and you know, when relationships and all that stuff come come on the side and work and everything, um, just trying to find that sweet balance in the middle. And and is there a point where it becomes untenable to work? Because you're a plumber at the moment, and that's quite a physical job. And obviously, you're up early in the morning. When do you train at the moment? Where where do you squeeze that in your your schedule and your routine currently? Um, pretty much all at night. So I usually train, do my sessions at night between the hours of say five ish to seven thirty, eight o'clock. Yeah. Uh, a few days of the week, I'll get up early in the morning and you know do get get to the get to the gym and do a session in the morning before work but um it just depends on my work schedule and what time I start or more so where the job is if it's close by to where I'm training yeah Too far. So, it, so so you're effectively I mean when, when people talk about an amateur athlete it, it's almost like a it's almost like a, a full-time job that you're doing that's just you're not getting paid for I mean that that's uh, essentially what's going on here because you're dedicating 30 40 hours of your life to to the endeavor of fine-tuning yourself to become a better athlete aren't you yeah pretty much that's yeah when you put it like that it's a bit depressing <laughs> <laughs> and you're working <laughs> so if you're feeling tired you know why now <laughs> yeah but it's all said like that it sounds a bit depressing but um i wouldn't yeah i wouldn't change it for a thing it's yeah it's great it's a great, yeah, great in the position to uh, to have those opportunities that, that might present themselves if you do get uh, you know the call up. Maybe there's an ultimate fighter in in the featherweight division or lightweight division or something like that, and you can put your hand up and say, "Look, I've got this record. I'm a current champion." And, and uh, you know you, you sort of you're banking on the fact that you're, you're putting in the work now, and even though there's no direct money return, 
it's giving you those opportunities in the future that we say hopefully they do arise for you yeah like you never know what's going to what's going to be you know on the other side of that door so well, literally, you never know. And we, we had Shane Mitchell in the studio just recently, and he's now uh, heading off to uh, Las Vegas, I think fighting not next next week at the 14th. Oh, yeah. So not this Saturday, next Saturday there in Las Vegas in the PFL. So uh, uh, chasing a, a million dollars. And and so uh, and, and just a matter of a few short months ago, that was not on his radar. He didn't – that wasn't going to be a thing. And now all of a sudden it is, you know. So, you know uh, – sharpening your sword and being ready for those opportunities um, is just something that I think in the fight game you've just got to be you've just got to be prepared for mm. Mm. Yeah. Is, is, does Eagle have um, so are you looking at sort of building your record a little bit more and then sort of saying to the bigger organizations hey here I am I've got a stellar record uh, I'm you know knocking people out I'm, I'm fantastic on the feed I'm a crowd pleaser uh, book me on one of your shows or if the UFC is coming to Australia, you know, trying to get in contact with somebody there, a matchmaker and saying, look, I'm, I'm here, I've got this record, you know, is, it, is there sort of a set plan of to how do I make this into a professional career? Uh, not really. It's more just like you said, it's for the amateurs, it's just getting the experience. Uh, record, yeah, they don't really matter in the amateurs because they wipe as soon as you turn pro. So, um just it's just trying to face as many different bodies as possible i guess um learn off every you know the, the best way to learn is by fighting so um trying to be as active as possible yeah and then when the time comes and then if you know if i take some of the momentum into the pros and i get a few finishes you know to build myself something then yeah like you never know if something does come to sydney who knows you could get a call up you could not but yeah got to be ready just in case that's, that happens so any any thoughts of traveling sort of uh, maybe to the united states or something and training with some fight camps over there and just sort of you know trying to expand your knowledge or trying to get your name out or meeting some certain people and networking a bit and trying yeah. to maybe get some amateur fights there as well no i've never thought about traveling overseas for it not not yet at least um we've got a great team here um the two coaches or two head coaches in johnny and igor you know they're a wealth of knowledge so mm. For themselves, I don't think I need to change anything. At the moment. Oh, that's fine. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, I mean, you're seeing guys like uh, Volkanovski and Robert Whitaker and you know uh, Israel Adesanya and you know, amazing fighters coming from this part of the world. That, Josh, yeah, yeah absolutely. That, mm-hmm. that are getting that call up and getting the opportunity and 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 remaining here in Australia or in New Zealand um, and you know not shifting their entire uh, fight camp to Vegas or anything like that, like they used to be. It seems that the level has really risen in Australian MMA. Yeah, one hundred percent jumped up so much. So, um, so yeah, I don't, I don't think you really need to chase those big gyms and head overseas. Um, obviously, you're going to get great training and whatnot, but if you can find yourself something good here, that's why not stick it out and see where it goes. And yeah, I think that's that'll be my plan for sure. If you could spend a month, like say your salary was covered, you had a month to go train. Matt, Matt Connolly's going to cover your expenses. <laughs> where would you pick? Half. I mean, yeah, you're obviously looking at one of the two big gyms. You could probably go to like American Top Team, I guess. They're massive. Yeah. Uh, I, I would like if I was to pick someone there. I think he's in Denver or Colorado. <laughs> I mean, the Top Team, yeah. Uh, AKA maybe or. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Some of the uh, Winkle um, top, top level guys that are over there. There's amazing fighters and amazing gyms that. that uh, sprung up all over. It's amazing to see the the, the growth of the sport. You know, from '93 when the UFC started, and I remember Rich Franklin, who was the middleweight champion for a, 
a long period of time. He was training in his garage mm. <laughs> with a few friends. Yeah, that's how he started. Yeah, it's amazing how how professional the sport is. And what are you, what are your thoughts on uh, WWE and uh, UFC? coming together does that does that feel like a match made in heaven to you <laughs> yeah i don't know too much about that <laughs> <laughs> and when will you be fighting? it got me excited put it that way I, I... <laughs> <laughs> when will you be fighting the undertaker that's what yeah, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> that one i think <laughs> well well mate um, uh, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the podcast uh, again and especially now that you're a champ of course i mean it was a joy last time but now it just feels all the more special um you know do you, do you where, where is that where is the title belt living now is it have you got a a shelf in the pool room or does it hang up in the club or or is it li- literally just uh, hanging around and you just wear it down the shops and yeah. uh, just wear, just wear it down the beach, mate. You know, <laughs> <laughs> got the tan lines, uh, <laughs> just in the shape of a DFC belt. <laughs> it's in the in the briefcase that they gave me, so just, oh, oh, it's all locked away. It's under under lock and key, and yeah, it's all locked away. Oh, beautiful. Oh, well, that's one way to keep it clean. I have to come back down and get the second one and uh, start stacking them up. So yeah, I like it. I like it. Well, well mate, we will we'll certainly look forward to seeing you uh, back in the DFC cage sometime soon. But we certainly wish you all the very best of luck, regardless of what cage you might be stepping into. And we know that there's a big, big future out there for Brandon White. So thank you so much for joining us again on the podcast. And ladies and gentlemen, this is Brandon White. He's your DFC lightweight champion and maybe soon to be featherweight champion. We'll, we'll see. It could be uh, very, very soon. So thank you very much again brandon and we'll look forward to catching up with you again very very soon yes thank you very much for having me on it's always a pleasure and um i'll see you hopefully july 2nd 